everybody, and welcome back to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you this week? Sir Alan of the Round Table, I'm here to tell you. I'm so excited to be here, I guess. <laughs> wow. I believed you for a moment. You know, I was just, I was really, I was trying to get my energy up, and then mm-hmm. I... And then it, and I just, and then it went down. Fake it till you make it, Mark. That's kind of the great Ed Fordman taught me that. The great George or Ed Foreman. Ed Foreman. Yeah. Yeah. Not the guy with the grill. Well, I mean, I, he might have one. He's a big guy. I wouldn't say no to him. (laughs) I'll do what he tells me to do. There you go. Yeah. Well, either way, I I think the lesson still, still works, Mark. Let's fake it till we make it this week. Oh, you got it. You got it, Ace. <laughs> rock that scoover. Yeah, yeah, rock that scoover. Well, here, kids, we're here to talk about kids. episode five. Yeah, kids. Yeah, you got it. Right? Yeah, yeah, kids. Uh, this week we're talking about season five, episode twelve, Anne's decision. Anne's decision. This in is, color. In color. Yeah, in living color, as a matter of fact. Not to be confused with the great television program. Yeah. Well, Mark, this episode clocks at about 2133. It's one of them. They're standard edition episodes. We did not have a producer's cut this week. Well, I want one. I do too. I peeked ahead. We have one next week. Get out of here. No, I'm excited. Really? Yeah. Emergency response has right. a producer's cut. All right. I'll let this yeah. slide then. It's, yeah. It's getting them getting to it. So that'll be fun. Yeah. But anyway, back to this week. Yes. We're having trouble focusing today. Anne's decision. Anne's Go. decision. Is she decided that this episode first aired on, <laughs> on February 7th, 2013. Yeah. We had Ken Whittingham in the director's chair. Oh, yeah. And uh, Nate DeMeo as the writer. And here's what I can tell you about those two guys. Well, one, for start with Ken. Ken was on our program. Yep. Terrific guest. Yes, we had a he was. great conversation. Uh, you'll know Ken from his work on The Office, Parks and Rec, of course, Blackish, Grace and Frankie, 30 Rock. He's an NAACP Image Award winner. If you flash forward to 2015, he wins that award for this show, as a matter of fact. Right. Yeah, so pretty cool. That is very cool. Ken was a great guest. I hope we can talk to him again one day. Me too. Yep. This is his fourth of eight episodes, so maybe we'll have a chance. And uh, on the writing chair, like I said, we had Nate DeMeo. This is his one and only episode. Not a huge IMDb resume, but I looked him up and he's a pretty interesting guy. He's a podcaster. He's got a podcast out there called The Memory Place. It's very popular. I've not had a chance to check it out, but I think I'm going to now that I've read about it. And, uh, you know, he kind of comes from the world of the public radio, which is kind of funny. I'd be curious to ask him how huh. he feels about uh, Derry Murbles and that whole gang. <laughs> That's so. an interesting transition yeah. just in general. It is indeed. So, hey, Mark, why don't we get into our episode summary? You, I think you, we call that what? The synopsis? You know what we call them. No, you're, now you're just funning <laughs> with me. It's, you, you're, look, you're an English major. You know it's synopsis. No, it's not. You're not an English major? No. You didn't you didn't pass? <laughs> wow. No, I passed. I just that was not my area of focus. Ah. I see. Which we're having trouble with in this I, episode. I'm having a lot of <laughs> trouble focusing on anything. All right, all right. So synopsis is incoming. Here you put we on go. your helmet. So my uh my A story, you know, Constantine's a, a troublemaker, so Harvey's gonna help us today. Oh nice. Uh, and uh so he and I kind of double teamed uh, what the A story should be entitled, you know? Yeah. So we, we couldn't figure out what it was going to be. So uh, we each have our own. So my title for okay. the A story is Sperm Donor Theater. <laughs> I like it. Harvey's <laughs> no. is I'm scared. Get a load of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> You hear that? You hear that? You get the slow applause. <laughs> the slow clap. Yeah. Oh, it right. deserves it. 
All right. <laughs> Love it. <clears throat> Empowered by her newfound independence, Anne decides to date herself for a while instead of getting swept up like she usually does with her new boyfriend's personality, blah, blah, blah. So she's six weeks into the experiment now, and she comes to a realization. She's ready to be a mom. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's it's a big decision, but she tells Leslie, no, 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 I'm ready to go. Sperm bank ahoy. <laughs> and looking, I may have a child of my own and everything. And Leslie tries to be supportive for her bestie, but is uh, is uh, quietly convinced that Anne is making a huge mistake. Huh, but sperm bank, uh, they uh, run into Sewage Joe and... They, <laughs> A frequent donor and his awesome. uh, that's enough to yep. scare him off. So uh, Leslie inadvertently helps Anne realize that her ideal sperm donor should be someone she knows. So now with a new wave of uh, enthusiasm Anne narrows it down to three potential Ooh. sperm donors and brings them into the office, pretending she's interviewing them for a blog. Wow. What will happen? Will Leslie try to take control of the situation? Spoiler. She does. <laughs> Who are Anne's three potential sperm donors? Does Anne end up picking a winner? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. And and, and nice job for Harvey there this week. Load of this guy, yeah. Yeah, like that's, that. that's pretty good. So so I went this week, my titles, Mark, uh, you know, I often do movie titles. Yes. This week, not only did I do movie titles, I specifically chose from the canon of Robert Ludlum, the Born series movie titles. I'm just, I'm all sorts of impressed with you, sir. Tell me your gibberish. Go ahead. So this week's, uh, the, the A story yeah. is the sperm identity. All right. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Let's see where I go with this. I <laughs> aim- make up the other ones right now. See, <laughs> <laughs> Jason Born is Benjamin. Uh-huh. All right. So B story. Um, actually, I should say ahead of time, I split this sucker into three stories. Oh, I, I yeah, you forgot that. to tell us Yeah, because you don't know. It could be seven. You don't ding, know ding, what I'm going to do. Ding, that ding, is correct. <laughs> so three stories. So I told you the A one. The, the B story I have as entitled Survival of the Sickest. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. What Harvey do, though? He did. He, he just he gave one and said, thank you. Good night. And then he dropped the mic and left. Wow. Yeah. So, so he didn't do it. So he shot his whole. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 we're not doing that. This is a family show. He's done. <laughs> but, but, but secretly, I. Yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. So B story, survival of the sickest. Ben tries to make headway on his task for the wedding, finding a caterer. He's arranged a taste testing of the three best catering companies in Pawnee and is accompanied by his panel of experts, Chris, who loves vegetables, sure, Ron, who loves meat, yep. naturally, and Tom, who is a foodie and likes to take pictures of his food. <laughs> He's got all of his bases covered. Good Lord. Ben breaks the three-way tie with his own input, deciding on the caterer who served an appetizer of mini calzones, because why not? <laughs> the day after the taste testing, Chris... Ben and Ron are all completely crippled Uh by horrible, horrible food poisoning. And they haven't even seen Tom yet. Good God knows what this is doing to that little (laughs) bird man. How will this turn out? What ended up happening to Tom? Do they ever figure out the exact source of the food poisoning? Who does Ben end up selecting as the wedding caterer? 
Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. For me, I, I stuck with the, you know, the born theme. Yeah. Mine is the uh, the calzone supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. That's pretty you. good. Yeah. I don't like to say that because kind of your ego gets all yeah, big and yeah, stuff, just, but it, it, that was pretty yeah, good. Yeah. All right. So I have my C story as entitled kill them with kindness. Parenthesis. If no machete is around <laughs> while Leslie is busy with her councilwoman duties, April has been tasked with her worst nightmare, leading a public forum for the Pawnee Commons every day that week. She decides the best way to survive the ordeal is to imitate Leslie. She even dons uh, one of Leslie's uh, pantsuits to tackle the <laughs> task. But Leslie's chipper methods just, I don't know. That, that's just not April's bag. And the first meeting quickly spirals out of her control. And April tries to hang on. She tries to persist. She tries to continue channeling Leslie, but quite frankly, with little or no success. What will happen? How does April get along with the crazy Pawnee residents? Can April figure out how to effectively handle the public forum? What is Andy's mistake that stresses out April, but provides great snacks? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. So for me, rounding out the Born theme titles, Mark, yes. uh, I had the Leslie Legacy. All right. That's pretty right. good. Fits April. Yeah. That's what she's up to. That's very good. Yeah. You did a good job. We'll see how that turns out. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Yes. So, Mark, uh, let's do our AKA real quick, and then we'll get into the breakdown. It's like you're a robot winding down there at the <laughs> end. You run out of energy. Well, we, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> Alan, you know, we should uh, remind our, our viewing audience that uh, NBC sucks on ice when it comes yeah. to naming their own uh, yeah, things. So They're pitching because we're world famous. We used to do a whole bunch of AKAs because everyone likes that. And then uh, we <laughs> thought, you know, we're, we don't want to gild the lily, so we're just going to do one AKA yeah. per a thing or per yeah. show. But you know, thing. if we say this every week, that takes as much time as giving out all three AKAs. Huh. <laughs> Weird. Never made the connection. <laughs> You're right. Anyway, so on to my AKA because yeah. I like to be brief. Um, Good so luck. Mine uh, comes from the uh, C story and it's uh, April is trying on all sorts of <laughs> Leslie outfits and she's trying to figure out which one is going to be the best for yeah. it on account of the public forum that she's got to lead. And, uh, they decide on a, an outfit that is slightly less horrible than the others. And, and April dubs it the Fleetwood Mac sex pants nice. on account of the things that were in the pockets, which I'll get to later. And Andy, that's the one of my thing. And he goes, Fleetwood Mac sex pants, new band name. Call it. Yep. Called it. <laughs> Love it. Love How about it. you? Uh, that, that was my choice for the A story, but I decided to go with a different one. In a matter of fact, that's the A story. <laughs> uh, nope. Actually, that would be the C story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll cut all of this out in post. Oh, this is garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, mine's also from the C story, as a matter of fact. Noise. Yeah. Uh, my, April <laughs> is at the podium doing her best to be Leslie. Yeah. She's not being herself. Clearly. No. Yeah. That, and she's so awkward. She says, um, she kicks it off by saying, as Eleanor Roosevelt once said to Betty Ford, Hillary Clinton is great. I read that. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's terrific. Yeah. I, I did not know that happened. Well, history. Yeah. Yeah. History. What are you going to do? Yeah. Just got to report it. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, Mark, why don't we get into our episode breakdown? All right. All right. We start out with uh, 
A, that seems right, uh, scene A, and uh, it's our cold open, as we like to call it, because it is, and it's a pretty small one compared to some of the ones we've had, which kind of, some of them approach two minutes. This sure. is 48 seconds. Uh, I'd argue it's plot relevant. Yeah, I agree. And um, we go to JJ's Diners, which mm. we always like to go to, and... Uh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. You're not just whistling Dixie there, and uh, I bet they serve a thicket. Anyway, so so Leslie and Ben and Ann, that's always funny. It's a herbaceous medley, Mark. Stop it, stop it. Leslie, Ben, Ann, and Ron are having breakfast together. And Ann strangely orders two very different meals. Yeah. And when asked to explain, she she says, well, this is a part of my dating myself thing. I'm trying new things. So every time I go out to eat, I order one typical thing mm-hmm. that I would always get. And then something that I would never usually order. And and also, if anyone's interested, she's documenting all this dating myself stuff on her blog. Her blog, because that's yep. still a thing. Yep. In 2013, apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to go update mine now. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you see uh, at the end? Apparently, Anne tried skydiving. Oh, yeah. And then wasn't it Ben? It said to her, um, which which one of the uh, the Anne's is the one screaming like a maniac? And she said, I don't know. I just blacked out before I got to the bottom. So. And he differentiates them by saying, was yeah. it oatmeal and or catfish and? <laughs> catfish and. That's the catfish he would never order. There that. you go. Well, hey, Mark, as a matter of fact, we open up the main episode in Leslie's office and Anne continues her streak of sharing personal information. And this time, she's quite an interesting little bundle to share with Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, with the humor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Anne's visiting with Leslie in her office, like you said, and they're discussing, they continue to discuss details of and dating herself and stuff she's doing, etc. Hey, Harvey, man of the hour, uh, they do the thing you do best. No, just just pr- play the clip. Good Lord. Hey, I have an idea for your blog. I think you should take yourself ice skating. That sounds fun. Yeah, we'll do a double date. You and you and me and Ben. But I have to warn you, I'm very good at ice skating. I can do jumps. You know what? I probably shouldn't come. I'll embarrass the both of you. <laughs> Actually, I know what my next activity is going to be. And it's a biggie. I want to be a mom. What? I'm going to the sperm bank today. Can you come? Wow, today? Anne, you know that I fully support any woman's decision, especially a beautiful unicorn nurse like yourself, <laughs> in creating the family that she wants. But you are so brilliant and kind and stupid hot. I mean, you're definitely going to find a wonderful guy who loves you and respects you and fills your home with multi-ethnic genius babies. Maybe, or maybe not. You hit the lottery with Ben, and that's great, but not everybody's so lucky. I've wanted to be a mom for a long time. I'm ready, and I think I'd be good at it. Anne is giving up on love and deciding to have a baby with herself. And she has only been dating herself for six weeks. If she were dating a guy for six weeks and they decided to have a kid, I'd be like, congratulations, Anne and Channing Tatum, because that is the only scenario that would make sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Channing Tatum. Yep. He's dreamy. Well, Mark, up next, call it what you want, a herbaceous medley, as I like to call it, and so does Chris, (laughs) Uh, or or rabbit food, or just plain salad. Either way, the boys are sampling the first course of several that are the candidates for the forthcoming wedding feast. Yes, or even fifth coming. You don't know. So, yeah, we we now bounce over to Ben's place, a.k.a. April and Andy's place, a.k.a. the residence formerly known as Burley's, a.k.a. Tref Tref Cab. Cab. Catch the fever. Might get us a shirt. It's catching on. It's catching on. Hashtag we'll sell two down. copies of that shirt. Well, mine's going to be in a bigger size. We <laughs> see a staff of people 
preparing food at Trefcab. And the guys are sitting at the table and they've got some food in front of them, some some rabbit food in front of them. And uh, and uh, hey, Harvey, I know you just did it, but batter up, man. Play the clip. What a gorgeous herbaceous medley. Ugh. There's been a mistake. You've accidentally given me the food that my food eats. <laughs> Salad is traditionally the first course at a wedding. Is a gerbil marrying a rabbit? <laughs> I'm in charge of food for the wedding, so I brought in Pawnee's three best caterers and a panel of experts. Chris loves vegetables, Ron loves meat, and Tom considers himself a foodie, which apparently means taking Instagrams of food instead of eating it. Okay, so I liked number one, Chris liked number two, and Ron liked number three. Tom, what about you? Cater number one's presentation was simple, yet exhausting. Number two's was subtle and provocative, like a coy Dutch woman guarding a dark secret. <laughs> Nothing you're saying is helpful. But number three's told a story. A story from a book I wouldn't read, but I would watch the movie of. <sighs> That's nonsense. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go with the first place. I really love that appetizer. Oh, oh the mini calzone? No. Oh. I wouldn't call it that. It was more like a savory pastry. Delicate little dough pocket oh filled God. with tomato sauce, cheese, and seasoned meat. Just a stunning culinary innovation. It was a calzone. It was literally just a small calzone. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Mark, you know, in fairness, it's technically an empanada. Just say it. Well, you know. You know how I know that? Um, science? Uh, science and we're studying because we're we're going to be taking one of them their European cruises oh my God. in the south of Italy. So yeah. I'm preparing my empanada stomach for that visit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you and your stomach. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. That's the third time someone said that to me today. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I should note, Alan. This is uh, this is fantastic. If you if you freeze frame at certain points in this, you see as they're um, they they've gone through the three caterers. Yeah. And all four of the guys have given their their feedback. Well, I mean, except for Instagram Tom. Sure. Um, the first caterer, the name is Lurpus. Co. Oh yeah. And uh, we've heard that name Lurpus before. Absolutely heard yeah, it before. Yeah, yeah. I was going to so, mention that. So yeah. Chris, okay salad, bad veggies. Ben, loved appetizer. Meals seem fine. Ron, bad meat. And Tom didn't give me a response. <laughs> the second one is Tremani. I think. And then Chris, fun green, stunning tomatoes. Yes. Ben, <laughs> decent all around. Ron, no. <laughs> the third one, food for eats, which I love. I love it. Chris. Soggy kale and radish, terrible. Ben, okay. Ron, fantastic meat dishes, thumbs up. <laughs> wow. So just so you know where everybody stands. No wonder these three are never going to agree on anything. Oh, I know. I know. And then, of course, he, you know, Tom's out. Calzone boy just chooses the one with those, them there calzones for the appetizers. He does have a thing for, for many calzones. Yes, he does. Yeah. Well, Mark, just like in the catering selection process at our next stop, Leslie and especially Anne also have a menu of choices to choose from. Yes. And this one isn't even an empanada. No, it's not. All right. So we now see Anne and Leslie talking to the receptionist at the Pawnee Sperm Bank of America, abbreviated Sabah. Sabah. Yeah. Anne is given a binder of potential sperm donor candidates and their outstanding characteristics, which she and Leslie start looking through and remarking on. We are then surprised to see Joe Fantringham, a.k.a. Sewage Joe, <laughs> walk into the lobby from inside the building. 
Who and needs it, an empanada when you go to Joe Fantringham? Oh my gosh. I don't even want to go down that <laughs> that dark, 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 dark road. Did he send out pictures of his empanadas? <laughs> I got mumps on my lumps. <laughs> um, Ann and Leslie find out that he and all of his gross Ugh. buddies are donors there. And this is enough to make Ann question the wisdom of this establishment. And she and Leslie make a hasty retreat. And who can blame them? Yeah. I like before Joe shows up that they're going through the catalog and Ann's like, oh, this guy went to Harvard. And Leslie points out, so did the Unabomber. Yep. You know that that's a, an inside joke for these folks, right? Mike Schur, uh, Rashida Jones. I mean, like half the cast went to Harvard. Yeah. So it, I think it's just funny they chose to pick on Harvard in this case. It is. And it also seems as though we're getting a little hint. Leslie is like just shooting things down left and right. Yeah. That's she, weird. It's like she's trying to find a problem with the whole thing. Yeah. That's weird. Like she has her own uh, nopish agenda. <gasps> Never. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Meanwhile, back at the bullpen, April is putting on something of a fashion show and inspiring new band names as well. Yeah. She's putting on the Ritz. If they're by the Ritz, it's Leslie Nope outfits. See, now um, I'm going to have to watch Young Frankenstein. <laughs> so in the bullpen, we see Andy and Donna and Jerry are sitting at that circular table in the center of the room. Sure. And we then see April come It's a round table. Yes. Like this one. It's, it's, well, yours is much, much better. I'm here <laughs> to tell you. Uh, and we see April come out of the conference room wearing an outfit for the three of them to critique. And we learn that this outfit and many other outfits that she tries on all belong to Leslie. <laughs> and April explains via talking head that this week she has to lead a public forum for the Pawnee Commons every day, which is a nightmare for her. And to try and get through it, she's going back to basics, which means basically imitating Leslie in every way possible. Ergo, the Leslie outfit fashion show. And although April hates all the outfits, and although Andy is useless because he just thinks that she looks hot in all the outfits, <laughs> Donna does help her to narrow down her choice to, shall we say, the lesser of the evils. Sounds right. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love it, too. The first one she talks about, she says, this one wants to make me scold a Catholic child. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Ann Taylor is, but I hate her and I want to kill her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Mark, also at City Hall, Ann has an important decision in front of her, and she does not want to make a mistake. But that's pretty much exactly what Leslie does when she gives her an idea of how to find the perfect donor. Waggadish-maggadidoo. That's right. So after Ann and Leslie flee the sperm bank, we see them walking through the hallway at City Hall, and they're just trying to discuss what, what the heck comes next. Like, what do we do now? Well, Anne is considering maybe there are other sperm banks in other cities or. Oh, yeah. Kids, you, yeah. Um, but Eagleton. No, no, no. No demon babies. But <laughs> Leslie points out maybe a sperm bank isn't the right way to go. Maybe it'd be better if she personally knew the guy. And Anne takes Leslie's comment and just runs with it, saying, good idea. I'm going to go home and I'm going to make a list of all the guys I know who could potentially be donors. And then I'm going to call them and then I'm going to tell them I'm doing some blog entry on men's health or blah, blah, blah. And that way I can interview them all and I can ask them whatever I want. Leslie, you're a genius. <laughs> and then she runs off excited down the yeah. hallway. And this Leslie is speechless and concerned and watches her go. I don't think this is what Leslie had in mind. It is not. And I think Anne maybe even knows that. And that's why she's exit and stage left as quickly as she can before Leslie can even, you know, stop her. Oh, so you're saying that's not just excitement. That may be strategic. I feel like it might be. That's brilliant. I think if there were a door there, there'd be an Anne-shaped hole in it. I had never thought like <laughs> that's Looney Tunes humor there, buddy. I love it. I know what you like, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you like. Well, what I really, really like. <laughs> 
Let me tell you what you want. I don't know what that means. Okay, fair enough. Well, Mark, from there, it's the following day, and Anne is reviewing her comprehensive list of potential donors with Leslie. And let's just say it will not take long. It is not a long list. That's right. The next morning, Leslie is visiting Anne in her office, and Anne hands Leslie a sheet of paper representing, quote, the complete official list of candidates for Anne's baby daddy. <laughs> Leslie looks at the list and is surprised to see only three names. Huh. Anne reminds Leslie none of these three guys know about the whole sperm donor thing. And so Anne has arranged meetings with them under the pretense of wow. interviewing them for a blog. Well, who wouldn't want to be interviewed for a blog? They're wonderful things. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. <laughs> um Leslie then sees the first of the three candidates enter Anne's office. None other than our favorite medical curmudgeon, uh -oh. Dr. Harris. Love it. Just as we might expect, Dr. Harris is as grating and condescending as ever. This is not a good start, Alan. No, it's not. Nope. Uh, he, he's in typical Dr. Harris form. I think he says his, he notices Anne's office. His is bigger. Yep. His chairs are more comfortable. Yep. Uh, you know. He just, he just, oh, oh yeah. And he didn't want to take long because he's got to get back to the guy with the spinal fracture. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere. No. <laughs> Played by the great Cooper Thornton. Of course. And yeah. speaking of interviews, we interviewed Cooper Thornton about, gosh, it's been a couple months now. Yeah. We haven't had a chance to air that. So I think now that we've got Dr. Harris in this episode, we'll play a few clips at the end of it. And then uh, we'll tee that up for a spotlight episode coming up here in the next few weeks, perhaps. Awesome. That'd be nice. Yeah. It's been a minute since we've done one. It has been. Yeah. And he was he was a great guy to talk to. I had a lot of fun talking yeah, to him. Yeah, absolutely. Super, super smart. Mm. Like intimidatingly smart, I think. Yeah. He, he plays it down, I think, when you talk to him. But if you read some of his writings and things, uh, yeah, I, I, we, we don't compete, Mark. I know. You don't compete. <clears throat> he also runs marathons and stuff. He does all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's impressive. I don't like people like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless I'm riding their coattails. Well, of course. I, I don't like people like that. <laughs> exactly. But I right. do like him. He was a good He interview. was a nice yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Good guest. Yep. Well, Mark, this next scene is so visual and yet so funny. I think we should play it, but why don't you set it up for us so that our listeners at home can really fully enjoy it? Alan, it would be my pleasure. We see Ben or some odd man shaped thing that <laughs> once was Ben. That's right. Slowly. Orca his way into Chris's office, looking like death warmed over. He's in very, very bad shape. Imagine, if you will, Smeagol when he loses the ring in Lord of the Rings. It <laughs> that, just, it's not good. That's nerdy, Mark. Harvey, my good sir, let's play the sucker. Yeah, do the, yeah, go. Chris, I'm dying. <laughs> I was dying earlier today, and then I died. Now I'm dead. <laughs> I had to cancel a date with Shauna Mulway to weep, and I really like her. Do you think she'll still like me now that I'm dead? <laughs> what is this? It's food poisoning. Uh-oh. I have it too. I did not sleep for one second last night, and I cracked the bottom of the toilet. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Don't say that. Oh. Has anybody talked to Tom? I can't even imagine what that tiny little man must be feeling like. I have voided more than Tom's body weight in the last 12 hours alone. <laughs> he might have just disappeared off the earth. Call him. He must reach out to him. Oh, crap. I can't do it. <laughs> Somebody got to dial that phone. Well, someone's got to get to the phone first. Oh, there we go. Ben, 
<laughs> Extension 7820. We're slowly roll over. Mm -hmm. mm. You can do it with your nose. <laughs> well, you know, Alan, there, there was so, so many visual components to that. I mean, the, the audio was funny, but there at the very end, imagine the worst version of the Avengers ever. <laughs> and, and their their goal is not a supervillain, but yeah. just simply to dial an office phone. <laughs> Chris tries or to get trying. to it and buckles over in pain. He yeah. can't do it. No. Ben is useless. He's just lying on the floor. He can't do squat. Ron finally summoning all his Swanson manliness. Yeah. I thought he was going to do it. Hurt. And he kind of like does this little waddle <laughs> over, <laughs> over to the phone, but he can't summon enough Swanson-ness to pick up the phone. So he kind to of lift his arms. He kind of waves one arm like a vague club and clubs the phone onto the floor next to Ben, who is lying there. And Ben kind of goes beep, beep and like, dials it with his nose. Like, you know, <laughs> They, they combined their superpowers. They really did. They're horrible, it, it, horrible superpowers. They're horrible superpowers. It took all three of them to dial the phone. Yup. Wow. From there, Mark, we bounce over to the public forum where, where April's not only wearing Leslie's Fleetwood Mac sex pants, but she's channeling her big time, along with a little bit of Oprah. <laughs> we are now at the public forum regarding the Pawnee Commons, and we see April in Leslie's Fleetwood Mac sex pants. Um band name called it leading it and went andy sitting next to her and there's a large audience now gathered so april is trying her best to channel leslie as you mentioned and giving everyone a wide smile you can tell it pains her even as she's doing it but she's still doing it she gives everyone a real big cheesy wide smile and she even provides gifts for everyone like look under, under your the chair, chair yeah there's gifts and stuff and then I'm not sure if the audience is buying it or not but we can tell that april is hating this oh yeah yeah she says, so now I guess we're park pals. <laughs> With the hands on her hips. Now I guess we're park pals. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, Mark, next up, we head back to City Hall and catch up with our old friend Pistol Pete. And we learn that he's not just a one-trick pony. In fact, he can rival Sherlock Holmes with his deductive skills. So, yeah, we're, we're back in Anne's office. We see Anne interviewing the second of the three candidates, Pistol Pete DeCilio. And at first, things to be seem to be going well. But after Anne asks him a few questions, we see Pete pause for a few seconds and kind of look up mm. before telling Anne, "Ah, oh, I see what's going on. You you want my sperm? <laughs> like, how did you come to that conclusion? And that son of a bitch is astute. And then he just he gets up and he leaves because he ain't have no part when of that. When will women in this town stop scheming to get my sperm? Oh, it ain't gonna happen, buddy. <laughs> You, you 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 basketball high school rock star you oh my god so leslie is somewhat encouraged at this believe it or not in the yeah. sense that if she can shoot down the last of the three people go. on ann's list is gonna buy her some time to Something. convince her to wait for her own quote ben level soulmate you know yeah. Yeah. and then just then the last of the three candidates walks into ann's office howard the douche to tuttleman Leslie is not happy. No, no, she's definitely not. Well, over in the city manager's office, Tom arrives to see the carnage. And it turns out that having and sticking to your own principles can sometimes pay off no matter how superficial they are. Yeah, this whole room smells like chili con carnage. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we see Tom. That's a good band name, too. <laughs> band name called it. Called it. All right. We now see Tom enter Chris's office and he's just like, he's energetic and he's in a good mood and boop -da -bop -da -bop -da -bop -da -bop. he's scatting out loud, you know, and he comes in and he sees Ben and Chris and Ron 
writhing in pain. Like Ron is sitting rigidly in a chair and he doesn't even want to like move no. at all. Ben is on the floor. He's out and Chris is passed out on a table. And Tom, Tom says it smells like vomit took a dump. Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. And yeah, Tom, the vomit dump here. What's what the hell's going on? And Ron tells him we have food poisoning. Why are how do you why, not? Why are you unaffected? And and Ben is very grumpy yeah. on account of the food poisoning. And so he's like, because Tom didn't eat the food. He just takes pictures of it. And Tom goes, no, no, no. I, I ate everything you did. Dot, dot, dot. Mm. Whoa. With the exception of dot, dot, dot. The mini calzones. <laughs> Heartbroken at the news <laughs> that he was betrayed by something he loves so much, mm-hmm. Ben swears off calzones yeah. forever. They are dead to him, Alan. God is his witness. And Tom makes his cheerful exit. Gotta go eat lasagna. Leaving Ben, Chris, and Ron to their misery. Well, Ron is literally choking back a vomit when Tom leaves after he mentions the word lasagna. Yeah. If you watch, you can see his cheeks expand <laughs> oh, yeah. like a squirrel storing nuts. It's not good. I don't no. want to know what's in there. No, you don't want that come winter. No, no. <laughs> or ever. No, ever. Well, back at the public forum, despite doing her best, Leslie impersonation, April seems to be losing control of the crowd. And the usual bunch of crazies are all there present and accounted for. Yes, they are. We now return to the public forum in progress, where the solid citizens of Pawnee are now going to get their turn to provide useful discourse like they always do. Always. (laughs) Hey, Harvey. Yep. Press the button, sir. I'm afraid this park will raise my taxes. Ah, well, fear not. Between the normal park's budget and our corporate partners, I'm also afraid the park will be noisy and full of spiders (laughs) and dark at nighttime. I'm scared of a lot of stuff. Everything's fine. I'm fine. I'm Walter and I'm fine. (laughs) Is this going to be a topless park? I don't think there are topless parks. Well, let's build the first one and be heroes. If this is going to be a topless park, I won't sign your petition. If she's going to the topless park, I'm not signing the topless park petition. You know, I take that back. I'm still in. What's up? I'm Harris. Yeah, yeah. Forget whatever that uh, Pawnee Commons is. I'm with that pervert. (laughs) Topless park. Topless park. Topless park. Topless park. It would not be a Pawnee public forum without people chanting something ridiculous. We've got a good collection of them. We really do. Yeah. we And I think we've seen just about all of them before. We got Walter and Gretel and Harris yeah. and Chance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think Mel's there too, or is he at the second forum? Um, he he made, might be at the second forum. Yeah. He's in the deleted scenes. I know, I know what you're talking yeah, about though. Yeah. 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 Red face Mel. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Likes to scream. He does like to scream. Who doesn't, Mark? Well, I love I love ice cream, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mark, jumping back to City Hall, the interviews continue in Ann's office and we learn a little bit about where the line between the douche and Howard starts and stops. Well, Mm. sort of anyway. Yeah, it's all a very ugly blur. Yeah. We're back in Ann's office and we see the uh, the interview continue with Howard, the douche, Tuttleman. And believe it or not, we actually see what, at least initially, looks like some positives coming out of the discussion. Sure. So, for example, he attended Northwestern. He studied uh, semiotics. He wrote a thesis on narrative forms in the digital world. <laughs> he admits that the whole douche persona is silly, but, you know, it, it pays the bills. And to Ann... Really, he seems like a fairly decent candidate, like he's a decent guy underneath it all. Or at least he seems to be. His family's healthy. He's successful. He's smart. 
at the end of the interview, the douche leaves and Leslie is like all prepared to shoot him down. Like, oh, I'm glad he's out of here. Oh, that didn't work. And Anne ain't having it. She chooses the douche, oh, much boy. to Leslie's chagrin. Yeah, Leslie is not happy about it. Nope. Yeah. Well, I should mention too, I, I thought it interesting when Anne says he's from a healthy family. I'm like, that felt out of the blue to me until I watched the deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that Dr. Harris's family, not so healthy. All the men die young. Yeah. So- I think we lost that a little bit by losing the deleted scene. Yeah, good point. The good news is here that Leslie is going to be totally cool about this, right? Oh, naturally. Of course. Yeah. Well, speaking of the the lines that people should Let's not- Let's see how cool she is. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of the lines that people should not cross, we catch up with Leslie in the parking lot mm. and get a little peek at how she's going to deal with this line and she- just steps over it and then does a touchdown dance on the other side of it. This could only go poorly. Yeah. So, yeah, we we now see Leslie walking briskly through the parking lot, trying to catch up with the douche after yet another uh, embarrassing little moment with Councilman Hauser, which I love. Um, <laughs> she catches up with the douche and tells him, look, Anne's interview was not about some freaking blog. She's thinking about having a baby and she's considering you as a possible donor. And he seems to take the news in stride, although oddly and annoyingly seeming to alternate rapidly between deep and introspective versus gross and offensive. (laughs) And when he leaves, Leslie ends the scene with a small but great talking head. My God, I have driven Anne right into the belly of the douche. Oh, that's so good. It's like watching a tennis match, watching him go from Howard to the douche and back. Yeah, I mean, you t- you talk about schizophrenia yeah. highlighted with a yellow marker. <laughs> <laughs> well, the following morning, we returned to Anne's office to learn that Anne occasionally listens to Crazy Ira and the Douche, and mm. that today they happen to mention someone she knows. That's right. Next morning, we return to Anne's office, and apparently, I think she's asked Leslie to come see her because Leslie enters and says, "Like, hey, what's what's up? Yeah, what's up? Um, hey, Harvey. Yeah, you know what to do, man." Yeah, the big red button. Hey, what's up? Oh, nothing. I was listening to the radio on my way here, and I heard something very interesting. So, Crazy Ira, you remember that chick Anne I used to? (laughs) Yeah, she was smoking hot. Turns out she wants to have my baby. (laughs) And her lesbo friend tells me she's on the prowl for some baby beans, and it's down to me and some other turd munchers. Wow. You should be angry. I can't believe Howard did that to you. I can't believe you did that to me. I am making a very important life decision and you betrayed me. Because I thought you were making a huge mistake. Look, I get it. I know you're frustrated with dating and you think you're not going to meet someone, but two years ago, I didn't think I would meet someone like Ben and I did. My idea of a perfect family does not require a soulmate. I want a baby. That's it. Accept it. Councilman Milton, do we have a meeting? Oh, no, no, no. I just wanted to toss my name into the ring in respect to this Indian woman's vagina. (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. Milton's back. (laughs) That's two episodes in a row he's made me literally lol, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. LOL. LOL. That's what the kids say. Yeah. In my thumbs. Well... 
over in the bullpen. April is having a crisis of confidence, but thankfully Andy is there and being pretty supportive. Yeah, this is a, a fairly short scene um, at City Hall. We see April and Andy walking into the bullpen from the hallway and Donna and Jerry are there and ask how the forum went. April tells them it, it went horribly. I hate all this. And she's trying to think of anything that would give her a leg up, maybe wearing a blonde wig. Yeah, I think Andy gets a little too excited at the prospect of that. He's excited because uh, on account it, maybe it will help. Yeah, that, that helps something. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that they only collected four signatures. I think April, Andy, and then some guy named one of, and two others, but one of them was named Farts McCool. I think he does the sound effects for Crazy Iron the Douche. <laughs> that may be him in the booth. Yeah. Never thought about it. I know it's not. I don't know. I like to believe it is, Mark. Well, uh, I, I know. I know. Look. I don't like it when people destroy the magic of uh, what are we doing? Radio? Yeah. yeah. I don't like, like yeah. it when that happens. So shame on me for that. Shame on you. Yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we jump over to JJ's where the boys are celebrating surviving mini Calzone Gate with a little breakfast served by JJ himself. Yeah, we see Ben, Chris, Ron and Tom at JJ's diner and they're feeling much better. Well, three of them are. Thomas feels the same. Yeah. And they're preparing to have breakfast together. So despite the joy, or I would imagine the joy, of getting past the horrible food poisoning, Ben is still stressing out over the fact that, at the end of the day, he still hasn't chosen a caterer for the wedding. Mm. And as he's puzzling over this, the man himself, JJ, walks up with some waitresses and all their food, including dry toast and half a grapefruit for Chris, egg whites for Ben, egg whites for Tom, and pretty much everything that they make for Ron <laughs> seems about right. JJ then looks at Ben and tells him, don't you go sneaking off. I'm sending home some free waffles for Leslie. And this makes Ben smile. And he warmly thanks JJ and tells him, you know what? You're the best. And Ben sits there for a moment thinking. And then his eyes widen as he has an epiphany. I've heard those can be painful if you don't take medicine right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you got to uh, take lots of medicine or <laughs> rum or whatever it takes. You can get a rash. Yeah. Yeah. Well, following breakfast, Mark, we join Leslie over at WFKY 97.3. You know, the groove of Pawnee, as I like to call it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where she's doing her best to make up for her blunder and enjoying a little jello, as a matter of fact. Is that really their radio? Thing? It really is. Yeah, I miss that. Yeah, if you there's a plaque on the wall. I hate I, I you know me and the details. You, of you're you're guilty of this often too. I am. WFQY ninety three point seven. The Groove of Pawnee. Oh wow, that is fantastic. I completely missed that. Well done. Yep. So yeah, we now journey to the set of Crazy Ire and the Douche as they are live on the air, and a certain councilwoman has paid them a visit. Harvey, my good sir, get me a pudding pop and hit the button. It just, no, just, just hit the button. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we're back. We uh, got an update on Operation Pulpitors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, special guest is Councilwoman Leslie Nope. How are you, Les? Miss that was not me. That was a farcical sound effect. Did she say fartsicle? <laughs> <laughs> fartsicle. Frozen farts you can eat. Put it in your face mouth. It's cold and it smells. God, how did you make that so fast? Anyway, look, 
I'm here because I want you to stop talking about my friend's womb. Sorry, Councilwoman. I'm in it to win it. The douche is going to be a daddy. And Crazy Eye is going to be the creepy uncle. Okay. <laughs> All right. Look, she is a wonderful person, and she does not deserve this, so I need you to lay off. Okay. I will lay off if you can survive one round with Breasty Bertha in the Jello Pit. Rudy, <laughs> get in the Jello. Okay. <laughs> I am a city councilwoman, so I am not going to jello wrestle. I mean, this is fun. Don't you want your constituents to know that you got a fun side? Yeah, show your fun sides. This is not about me and my constituents. This is about you talking about my friend. All right, I will stop talking about your friend if you get in that jello for one second and say Rudy. Rudy! Because the Cosby Show, classic. Classic. Fine, I will stand there for one second and say it, and then we're done. Fair is fair. Fair is fair. Somebody fair. get me a pudding pop. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Rudy, there, happy? No, say it like Bill Cosby. <laughs> you got your Rudy. <laughs> oh, she's touching her boobs now. No, I'm not. I'm just standing here, and I am leaving, just like you're going to leave Anne alone. Oh, no. Oh, 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 oh Rudy oh, has fallen into the jello. <laughs> Theo, now there's jello all over my favorite sweater. And the gold medal goes to Leslie Mark, it's it's hard not to still laugh at the Cosby stuff because it's, well, for one, it's dead on. Like, whoever's doing it is really good at it. Yeah. Probably almost as good as you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just sad. It's just sad. It, it is. It actually occurred to me. It's like you, I, I, you have to separate, or I do, from like, you know, I know the material tough. from everything yeah. else. But I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, there, I start hearing that and I can't help but giggle. I know. I can't I know. help it. Yeah. And I think because there was a period of time well before we knew any of this stuff where I remember you and I working together. There was a lot of pudding discussions. Oh, my God. Pudding pops. And yeah. Sometimes it was hard to get actual work done. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that wasn't just because of the pudding pops. No. <laughs> Theo, we need a new director. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Inside joke. Yeah. yeah. I hope to be a part of one someday, Mark. You are. <laughs> well, while Leslie is getting out of the vat of jello, April and Andy are at the public forum number two of the day. And Andy is doing his best to get April out of Leslie's pants. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Although I like to let you flounder because I like yeah. what you said better. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. So we, we now see April and Andy arrive at the public forum again. And it's shortly before it starts. You know, April starts to walk off so she can kind of morph into Leslie. That's right. And she grabs the bag with the Leslie clothes. And then she looks inside. And it is filled with fruit roll-ups <laughs> and baseball cards. Huh. Andy apparently made a mistake. So April starts to freak out. And then Andy tells her, no, 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 no. You look... Amazing with what you're wearing. You're the smartest person on the planet. And I think you can just do this being yourself. And April storms off. Blah. She's clearly not happy. Yeah. Andy mugs smugly to the camera or smugs to the camera. I like it. Huh? Yeah, I'm going to use that one. No, no, I, all right. <laughs> I'll sell you copyright. Fair. And then and he puts his finger to his head, yeah. implying maybe he did it on Wasn't purpose. Wasn't a mistake. Yeah. Good God, sweet, stupid Andy. What is going on with you? <laughs> so anyway, the public forum starts. Uh, April is in the front of the room and Andy's sitting beside her. And April, at first, uh, interacts with the audience and she's answering questions and everything. And she tries to maintain like a little bit of Lesliness, but then quickly goes blah, and it's she gone. she yeah. abandons that plan and instead 
she opens up the Ludgate. <laughs> huh? Wow. Yeah. You're full of it tonight, man. I am so full of it. <laughs> and, and so the Ludgate open in there, it actually makes her much more comfortable and much more effective. Oh, sure. And, and much more deadly. Very deadly. To her foes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a rattlesnake. <laughs> Well, she kind of she kind of tells Harris off, and you know he he goes, "Oh, shut me down! You scare me!" And I got to say, I kind of dig oh, that. Harris, yeah. <laughs> What's your deal? And Andy goes, "She's married to me." Yeah. Take both this yeah. thumbs pointing back at himself with fruit roll ups wrapped around his thumbs, fingers. Yes, yes. Which is how they should be. <laughs> wow. Sweet stupid Andy. And this is the same guy that came up with that master plan. It's like he's a dichotomy of two people. <gasps> Wow, there's a little bit of a theme here tonight, Mark. There certainly is. I love it. Yeah. Well, following Leslie's appearance on Crazy Ira and the Douche, she and Anne catch up and make peace over some mutual understanding, cartoon anatomy, and, uh, of course, binders. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so at City Hall, we see Leslie once again in Anne's office, and this time to apologize. Anne heard the radio show... Uh, Let's call it a debacle. Sure. And and appreciates Leslie trying to help her. And she forgives her as, you know, we knew that she would. And she and Annie even admits it is possible that Leslie was kind of sort of right. This is obviously a huge decision and she should take her time. So grinning, Leslie chooses this moment to hand Anne a quintessential Leslie note binder with a little cartoon uterus drawn <laughs> on the outside because... As Leslie tells Anne, there is nothing more cuterous than your uterus. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's all I got to say, Mark. Wow. I love the binder. <laughs> See, you can guest. help laugh, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Wow. Mark, finally in the kicker, Ben checks in on Leslie with his catering choice to make sure she's okay with it. And April and Andy have a bit of a victory bonfire. So, yeah, we we hear the kicker. We see Ben in Leslie's office and they're surrounded by food, takeout food from JJ's diner, probably including those free waffles. Probably. And Ben told Leslie about him choosing JJ's diner for their wedding caterer. And Leslie is thrilled, like just when she thought she couldn't love Ben any more than she already did. It just he outdoes himself. Ben happens to look out through Leslie's window into the outside courtyard where he happens to glance April and Andy standing over a trash can, which appears to have a fire going in it <laughs> with smoke bellowing forth. Uh -oh. So curious and maybe slightly alarmed, Leslie and Ben go outside to the courtyard to investigate. And they ask what's going on. And April and Andy tell them we're celebrating on account of they got lots of signatures. Yep. And, and April did it herself her own way. Yeah. And to celebrate, we're burning this awful pantsuit. <laughs> Leslie, that's mine. I wanted that back. April. Well, frankly, you should have thought of that before we burned it. Oh, my God. Fade to black. Fade to black. Yep. It, it, I love that scene, but it made me sad that the Fleetwood Mac sex pants are gone. Yeah. But you know what? It will always live on in our memory. <laughs> that's what's important, Mark. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll compare notes on some things, and then we'll come back, and we'll score this thing and send everybody home. Rudy. I mean, that's a good idea. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back, everybody. Are you in the mood for heaping plates of outstanding breakfast food? If not, then I wish you a good day as I have nothing else to discuss with you, and I, quite frankly, don't understand you. However, if the answer is yes, then JJ's Diner is the place for you. 
Hello, this is Ron Swanson, a staple for the citizens of Pawnee since its opening in 1976. JJ's Diner is owned by the great JJ Lipscomb and is located at 122 Sunderland between Tramp Stamp Tattoos and the Chlorotech Cadmium Refinery. Some have said that JJ's Diner is the meeting place for Pawnee's political elite. I don't know exactly what that means, and I still somehow hope that is inaccurate. However, I do know that JJ's Diner is open 24 hours a day, and that breakfast food is the only food I need at any of those 24 hours. My employee Leslie enjoys the waffles and whipped cream. I prefer large helpings of bacon and eggs, like most self-respecting people. Be sure to visit JJ's Diner often, preferably when I am not there. Tell them Ron sent you, and receive a free JJ's refrigerator magnet with your order of the Ron Special. A heaping portion of bacon and eggs, accompanied by a delicious side order of eggs and bacon, smothered in sausage and sausage gravy. Mmm. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Hey, Mark, I'll uh, go through the deleted scenes really quick. Um, as we said, this this is not a producer's cut. No. This was a standard edition episode, but we did have a couple of deleted scenes. I think I clocked a total of about seven, um, you know, maybe I think it was, what, four minutes worth, yeah. something like that. It wasn't a lot. And I think this is one of those weeks where I can honestly say good choices. Yeah, not bad. No, nothing bad. But those are probably the, the the weak links of the chain. I think they're the ones I would have picked as well. I agree. Yeah. There was one scene where maybe they had a little bit more uh, conversation. I think it detailed the B story maybe a little better. And then there, of course, there was that extended scene with Dr. Harris. We get to see a little more of Cooper Thornton on screen. So it's a little sad that we didn't get to see that. I remember that. That yeah. was good. Yeah. He has a special talent. He does have a special. He can wiggle his ears. He can wiggle one ear. Well, that was Anne. Oh, that's Anne. He wiggled both ears. She's clearly inferior. She's he, a freak. She wiggled one ear and he said, well, that makes your face look weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so good. Classic doctor. Classic. Classic. Oh, boy. Well, if you have the DVDs, check those out at home, kids. Mark, why don't we get into our tropes first, fun facts, goofs, and all that fun stuff. All right, kids. Here we go. So we got, uh, so let's start with the first. Yeah. They're... How many first did you have this first? Week? I had uh, four. Wow. I like okay. that sweet sauce there. Scuba I'm just going to sit back, take the, take the show, Mark. Yeah, they're a bunch of crap. So first, that's the first time Anne's been interested in becoming a mom. Okay. Because wasn't it just last episode that she was like, kids are weird. Do you want to see Cold Play? I'm weird around kids. Yeah. So well. a little odd, but that, that that's now. And I said, this is the first time that Ben had something bad to say about calzones. <laughs> <laughs> that's true also. I said I could be wrong about this, yeah. but, but I made the case. I think this is the first time I've ever seen Ron and Chris share a talking head because they're usually so diametrically opposed. They, would have, no, great they would have no reason yeah. to be there, like like tag teaming yeah. the talking head. You it know? was a calzone. <laughs> I know. It's literally. Literally. A calzone. And then the other first is <clears throat> the first time Mark ever used the phrase he smugged to the camera. <laughs> It's true, yeah, but right. it's very descriptive <laughs> and true. <laughs> did I miss any? Uh, I no. In fact, uh, you had three that I did not. So nice wow. job. Wow. Yeah, I was. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah, nailed it. I wasn't doing great on first this week. I did get a good, decent list of tropes, and I'm sure you've got some too. 
I, I did. So here I go. I got lub lub. Leslie uses binders, uh, which I want to add. Uh, we also missed that in last week's episode, we Women in Garbage, because yep. she, she had binders. Binders. She sure did for the garbage collection. Yeah. So correction to last week, and we'll add it this week. We missed out on some lub. We sure did. True lub. True lub. Mowage. Um. So, um, <laughs> AIS April is scary. Like when she took control of the public forum her Ooh, way. Okay. Yeah. I think we called it something different in the past, but yeah. that's the in, in a thumbnail of sure, it. Right? Sure, sure, sure. Um, I said sweet, stupid Andy, and you Qualified. can you can bail me out on no, it. No, no, no. He bounced roll ups on the thumb. I oh mean, among other things, I'm sure. Um, I don't know if I'd call this a trope, but I said crazy iron the douche. I think it is. I mean, it's a recurring theme. I think that's fair to say. I, I had JJ's. There you go. I didn't have that. Um. FDR, Food Driven Ron. I had that one. Um, uh, CMH, Councilman Hauser, because Leslie always bumps into him at the most awkward moments. Oh, my gosh. Uh, By the way, a shout out to Jumbo C from Arkansas, who I think Alan was the first one to point out, point that out to us using voice recording functionality on our website. That's true. Yeah. That's a good call. Um, MTC, Mugs to the Camera. Yeah. We got Ben, April, Leslie, and Andy. Who smugs to the camera? If it counts. Um, FWN fun with names. Howard Tuttleman, which we oh knew, but God. it's still funny. Yeah. Joe Fanteringham, which yep. we knew it was still funny. Yeah. Lurpus Co. Tremani. Food for eats. Love it. And I probably missed some uh, in there too, but I. You did. Um, Walter Koi Pond. Is that his last name? I uh-huh. didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Chance Friendlum. Yeah. Oh, I did know that. I missed that. Yeah. And Marv Vavama. (sighs) My gosh. (laughs) Fun with names indeed. Indeed. Um, BLC, Ben loves calzones, although perhaps not anymore. Ben's betrayed by calzones. We got to do that one. Yeah. BBBC. (laughs) Um, CPC, Crazy Pawnee Citizens. We got Walter and Gretel and Harris and Chance and all those. Um, LAC. Leslie Ann compliments you beautiful unicorn oh nurse God. you. Yeah. Um, I totally made this one up. MRBN <laughs> mouse rat band names, which maybe isn't accurate because Fleetwood Mac sex pants. That may not have been intended it was never to be on a replacement, yeah. but yeah. you know, it's still funny. Should have been. What'd I miss? Um, I, I think mine were mostly variants of, of a little bit what you had. I, I forgot about our food driven Ron. I said, just Ron loves all meats. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's the same thing, ultimately. I, I had one specifically uh, about April. I said, April is growing up, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're this is a theme. It's a runner yeah. at this point. Yep. yep. So I think it qualifies as a trope at this point. And then the last one I had was, these guys are funny when they're sick. Because oh th- this God. is- Flu I, season. Flu and- season. This one- um, we're going to see it again very soon with Ron and the when he has personally sick yeah. and then flu season part two. So there's at least four episodes yeah. where that is pretty much the baseline of at least the B story. It works. It works. Yeah. Go with what you got. Yeah. Um, I did not have any goofs. Um, I had one small fun fact that I got from the internets. I have uh, I have no goofs and I, I have a, a couple of fun facts. You go first. The one I got, and you may have it too, was that apparently, and I missed this, it's a great catch, uh, that, uh, that the douche's license plate reads boobies. 
8008IES. Yeah. Yes. Very funny. Love it. That's good. Um, I, I had that. And then the other one was uh, interesting. You know, they, Tom or Ben says that Tom describes himself as a foodie, which means taking Instagrams of food instead of eating it. Right. Well, in real life, Aziz Ansari is a foodie and has formed a trio called The Food Club with Eric Wareheim and Jason Wolliner, where they uh, commendate restaurants with an etched gold plaque dressed in suits and sailor hats, which is That's just kind of funny. So I think Jason was associated with Parks and Rec. I remember his name. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I, maybe a director or AD or something. I, I'll have to look it up. But his name's familiar. Yep. Yep. Well, nice job, Mark. I think we should jump into our scores. All right. Jumping into the score. Alan, my MVP for this episode is food poisoning. <laughs> Okay. I'm not even la- I'm not kidding. Uh, no, I, I think it's a first though, right? Look, I mean, it know. is. We've had people, we've had the, the stars of the show. Yeah. We've had guest stars of the show. We've said the writers. The before. writers. I think this is the first time a theme has ever been the MVP. A, a non-person. Yeah. Yeah. A non-entity. So here's my reasoning. Okay, go for it. I love this. First of all, this is half my show and I can do what I want. <laughs> Second... The B story for me, the B story was far yeah. and away my favorite part of the episode, yeah. despite the fact that time wise, if you look at it amongst yeah. the three stories, it had the shortest it amount sure of did. time actually devoted to That's it. Very true. But the physical humor of the guys was just not to. too yeah. good. Third, as much as I wanted to choose one or two people, I, I couldn't like from the B story, like all of them. Even Tom were almost equally good in this storyline. So, like, there was no way to break the tie. So, food poisoning. Um, <laughs> and also, you you noted as a great point. We've had episodes where the characters have been sick, like flu season, to great effect. And this was no exception. Um, nice list of guest stars. Um, Nick Kroll as Howard the Douche Tuttleman. Uh, Tuck Watkins as Pistol Pete DeCilio. Uh, Kirk Fox as uh, Joe Fantringham, Sewage Joe. Uh, James Green as the great Councilman Milton, Milton yeah. Brent Briscoe as the man himself, J.J. of J.J.'s Diner, um, Matt Besser as Crazy Ira, uh, Cooper Thornton, who we already mentioned, as Dr. Harris, uh, Yvonne's Jordan as Councilman Hauser. And so I OK, I thought that this was another pretty strong in episode. It felt it feels a little to me, Alan, like the Mark Brandanowitz situation in the sense that for Mark. I think that we agree on this. The writing for him and his character got better and better the farther they went along in the series. Yeah, so we, we were to the point where I was a little sad to see him go because that version of Mark was probably my favorite. Yep. Like they're they're starting to find. He's fully he formed is. by the time they kicked him out. Kind left. of. I yeah. mean, it, they were getting there, yeah, right? They were. So too has the writing, I think, for Anne gotten better. And I think the show is doing better about finding Anne's... Uh, uh, characteristics and finding the quirks that she can call her own. Yep. I think they're starting to do a, a great job with that. I would agree. Um, I think April also had another strong episode like the last one. Andy is almost always funny, but in a lot of ways, I feel like Andy took a backseat to April in this episode, which I was kind of glad to see. I was so glad to see her get the spotlight. Well, well-deserved. Um, 
A couple small nitpicks. I didn't think it was a horrible use of their comedic bench, but it wasn't the best either. It needed more Donna and Jerry. I don't think Jerry even had any spoken lines. He had no lines that made it into the canon episode. Yeah, yeah. I think he had some of the deletes. I think you're right. Um, Also, I said, just as an observation, my opinion maybe, but I thought Anne's desire to become a mom seemed to come a little bit out of left field. I agree. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm still willing to go along with it. It's good comic fodder, and it's not even a bad storyline. No. Because we know it's going to help bring another storyline about, but yeah. yeah, I'm willing to shrug and go whatever. But at first it was like, what? I think it's the speed at w- from which we went to, I'm weird around kids. Uh, you want to go to Coldplay to, I need a baby. I think you're it right. Happens I think so you're fast. right. I think that yeah. highlighted yeah. it. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, all right, enough of that foo for all onto the Mark rubric. So here we go. Don't get stuck. Um, I'm going to give this sucker, um, a 4.5 base score. I thought that the B story was just great. And I thought that the other two were were good, you know? So 4.5. Um, I'm going to give two whole points for the entire B story. I mean, the because the, the whole thing in totality was just freaking hilarious, especially the food poisoning. Plus, I really like that Ben chose JJ's as the caterer. It just seems right. It was a nice know, touch. Well done. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give half a point to what I call the radio combo. So we got a nice return visit to the set of Crazy Iron and the Douche with the highlight for me, Alan, maybe being China Joe, oh the, the unblinking stone-faced Asian guy who flawlessly played Bill Cosby's sound effects as needed. I just love that. <laughs> I'm going to give half a point for what I call the public forum combo. I love the presence of all the wacky Pawnee citizens, as we talked about, as crazy as ever. Plus... Watching April eventually find her own way to handle things. Yeah. Not to mention Andy kind of doing a Jedi mind trick to trick her into it, which was just bizarre, <laughs> but but pretty cool. I'm going to give half a point to what I call the chemistry combo. Um, maybe this is obvious or you know doesn't deserve a point, but I'm going to give it a point. I thought it was effective pairing and effective chemistry between Ann and Leslie and also with April and Andy. Yeah. I, I thought that they played off of each other mm-hmm. well, so half a point for that. And I'm going to give one final half point to what I call the channeling Leslie combo. I loved how April's first line of defense was to imitate Leslie. Because I think that that kind of says something about the influence that Leslie's had on her life. Sure really, does. you know, plus Leslie channeling herself, <laughs> being herself as she tried her best to help and then apologize to Anne. So you add all the crazy Mark points up and you come out with 8.5 Little Sebastians. It was a good episode for sure. I think I even liked it. Truth be told, truth gun to my head. I'd like to even a little more than last week, uh, Women in Garbage, but not enough to give it a different score. So anyway, that's my review. Back to you, Alan. Rock nice the job, scuba. Rock, rock that scuba. Yep. Um, yeah, you passed the scuba to me. Yeah. Um, I'll start with my MVPs. Um, I did co-MVPs this week. I, I wasn't wacky like you, although I love what you did. I really do. I have to say, um, mine, mine, and you kind of, I think you somewhat alluded, or at least based on what you said, I think you'll agree. Um, I gave a co-MVP to Rashida Jones and to Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. I, I that's where like, I would have gone. Yeah. Outside, if you take the B story out, right. The A and the C story. I mean, they basically carried those, um, you know, Ben was there kind of, well, I guess Ben wasn't really in the Leslie storyline at all. It was really Ann and Leslie, right? Yes. So bouncing off of each other. And it was April and Andy, as you said. And I just feel like I like the growth we're seeing for Ann. I like the growth we're seeing for April. And those two things I think are, are really good. And I won't say overdue. They feel right, though. They feel like they're coming around at the right time. 
you know, April's coming into her own. This is evidence, physical evidence. Now, you know, she left, she left the sex pants at home. <laughs> and, right. uh, she, she's on her own and she did it her way. Right. Like, like, like Frank Sinatra did. Yeah. And he uh, did it her way too. Absolutely true. And, uh, you know, she got the outcome she needed. She didn't have to be Leslie to make that happen. So I like that. I thought that was a good, good life lesson for her and good for us to sit back and enjoy. I wish it had been a little funnier, I think overall, mm. um, it had its moments, but I think my big gripe about this whole episode is it was just missing a little of the haha. I think that's my big gripe. Um, outside of, uh, let me go to my cons list here. I had the poor use of bench, mm-hmm. um, just a waste of Donna and Jerry. Donna had three very short lines. Jerry had zero right. in the canon episode. Right. They both had scenes in the deleted scenes that would have given them quite a bit more screen time. It just... Again, if you look at the list and you mentioned most of the guest stars, Mark, but you did not mention all of them. I mean, if you look at the full list, it goes on because even Harris Whittles was a guest star, right? That's true. Playing Harris. That's true. Yeah. I did miss that. All those people get screen time. Yeah. Right. Got come from somewhere. Yeah. I mean, Harris had quite a bit of screen time. He had more lines than Donna. That's probably the biggest showing that Harris, the character had. And I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't either. But again, it, I it's got to come from it's, somewhere. It's got to come from somewhere. So it's often about balance for us. And I think in this week, I felt like it was imbalanced toward not enough funny and too many people on screen who say didn't need to be, but just didn't add as much value. I don't know. I like the story. I like this episode, but I actually liked it less than Women in Garbage. Hmm. I thought this was little, I thought that was a funnier episode, honestly. Hmm. I found myself lolling a little more at that one than I did this one. And again, maybe it was my mood this week. I don't know. Um, I think if I look at it on its technical merits, I give this episode an eight. And sometimes it would swing me to an eight five. And I think that's exactly what happened with Women in Garbage. I think structurally I was at an eight, but I liked the episode. I swung it to an eight and a half. I didn't do that this week. I just said solid eight. All right. Well, you know, that that's a I think you have a good point. I mean, it, they're not it, all tens. I mean No, no. And and you know what? The the B story, um, which was far and away my favorite, just yeah. because how how can you not like the food well, poisoning? Thing? I didn't say my pros, and I should have. Oh, one sorry. of them, yeah. no, no, it's not your fault. My one of them, and it's in, and it's relative to the B story. I said this is physical comedy at its best. Like yeah. you go back to some of the classic Dick Van Dyke and some of those where you know they just led the way back in the day. Obviously, sure. Lucille Ball. I mean, this is funny stuff. Yeah. I mean, we it was a stretch for us to play that one clip just because of how visual it was. Oh yeah, but. It was hard not to, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know what else I, I realized that if you if you look at all the scenes in the entire episode, as as funny and as memorable as the B story was, the, the whole food yeah. poisoning thing, cater thing, there were only four scenes in the entire episode that what? were just about that. That storyline. Yeah, you're right. Because by the Far end, it kind of merged back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And it launched and the, they kind of split off in the beginning. So you're right. You're so exactly so right. the point, I guess, that I wanted to make is how interesting is that when, when at least in my opinion, and maybe you agree with me, the story that I just said, this is my favorite part of it was far and away the smallest part of it in pure number of scenes and, you know, time, which I'm not saying that that's like a horrible bad thing but no. it just makes you go well what what did you do with the rest of it and what would have happened to the score for both of us had they not done that so well 
Yeah. This might've been one of those, you know. Sub eights. Sub eights. And we haven't Maybe. had one in a while. And yeah, I, I felt a little bad about giving this an eight, but it's honestly how I felt about it at the end of the day. You know, I, I did say that under my, the other pro I didn't forgot to mention was, you know, so it was really nice to see April's growth. And my specific example was, imagine the old April at this public forum. Right. I said, forget about it. You know, she would have gone crazy and obliterated the crowd. Right. But she's, she's learned from Leslie. Her mistake was trying to be Leslie, but Andy helped her figure that out. So I think that's why that was, I like that storyline so much. I thought they did do that well. It seemed to me also that that April, even when she like opened the Ludgate, um, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems like instead of just setting out to destroy people, she still had a constructive end goal she in mind, to them. and yet she still eviscerated them. But she didn't. She she didn't lose track of the goal. Yeah, kind of. That's true. She didn't lay waste to the whole forum. She still was able to keep it professional. Right. Move it, on. Right. It wasn't just scorched <laughs> earth. It was just right. like, you know what? That's I'm our gonna, old policy. I'm going to sniper you and sniper you, but then I'm going to continue on with the goal. Oh, you want somebody? Stay? No, you sit down. Oh, that's I right. knew that. Yep. That, that's well said. Absolutely. And I feel like the the the, the A storyline with, with Anne and Leslie is kind of the same thing. Leslie was a little bit up to her old shenanigans in terms of, you know, manic Leslie, but she dialed it back. She's grown too. Like she didn't go as far. In disrupting Anne's plan, it wasn't, it was never like mean or she wasn't trying to hurt Anne. And I'm not even sure she really meant to screw it up like she did in having that conversation with, with the douche out in the parking lot, right? I mean, what happened happened, but I don't think that was her intention, honestly. You know what? I was actually thinking about this. I completely agree. There are several points where in, in other episodes where Leslie has temporarily been thoughtless or selfish just because she was Fair. so concentrated yeah. on yeah. on what i was gonna say mean but i like to. self i like selfish better and i think of all the times i've seen her kind of do that and then she usually self-corrects sure. to her credit of course but this is probably one of the mildest times because this is a pretty huge decision and it does seem like Anne was rushing into it yeah so is it Anne's decision ergo the title yep yes it is however it, I think that you could reason why Leslie would be tempted to go, hey, bestie, whoa. Yeah. You know? There And there would have obviously been better ways, maybe less funny ways to do that. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so anyway, I, a, a solid episode. Again, yep. eight in the parks world, we've said this many times, is, you know, like an 11 for a two and a half man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Again, with the two and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Man. man. So anyway. <laughs> Well, nice job as always on the breakdown today, Mark. Before we wrap up and send everybody home, you'll recall that earlier in the episode, we mentioned our interview with the lovably grumpy Dr. Harris, a.k.a. Cooper Thornton, in real life. Sure. I love both of those guys, admittedly, for different reasons. Well, hey, I thought we would play a few clips today and give everyone a short sample of what to expect from our exclusive full-length interview uh, that we did with them last fall. Oh, good call. Yeah, like I said before, I really enjoyed that interview and had a great time talking with uh, Cooper. I'm looking forward to hearing these clips and eventually our full Spotlight episode. Agree. So why don't we do that right now and then we'll be back up to wrap up today's episode. Do it to it, my dude. All right, everyone. Cooper Thornton.
Actually, this week we're covering the season five episode, uh, Halloween Surprise. Halloween. Yeah. yeah. This is where, uh, where your buddy Jerry suffers the fart attack. <laughs> oh, man. And they're trying so hard to get me to call it that. Yes. Yeah. And you're not playing along. I'm not playing along. No, no. I just no. There is nothing that plays along about Dr. Harris. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll 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 dick with you, but you're not about to dick with him. He's just not going to take it if, if he even gets it. That's true. Sometimes I think it just passes right over him because he's not in the yeah. same atmosphere. Yeah, no, he's, he's and he, had, he could care less. That was a super funny episode. Uh, and poor Jerry, poor Jerry, you know, in every season, poor Jerry. <laughs> True, uh, but that one especially, they just really would not let it go. We have a we have a trope on our show that we call PBJ for punching bag Jerry. Just yeah. all the times that he just <laughs> people just pound on him relentlessly, and he takes it so gracefully. And he's such a nice guy. So. He he truly is a nice. They were they were all nice, but his character, the person, is especially nice. But Jerry, the character, you just. He's he's Charlie Brown. He is yeah. Charlie Brown. That's a great way to describe it. And that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody else is Lucy. <laughs> Everybody pulls the football away. <laughs> Everybody pulls it away from Jerry. Oh, that's so true. You also had a, another great Jerry moment. Um, I think, you know, the one where I'm talking about where we learned that Jerry yeah. was maybe specifically gifted. Like a horse. Like a yeah. horse. They told me that that was the uh, most viewed six seconds of the show <laughs> from any season was just that talking head clip. Oh, my gosh. That's your, so funny. Your delivery yeah. was perfect. Actually, I'm going to play that clip right now, if you don't mind. OK, so now you're sure that everything is OK, you know, down there. And perfectly healthy. <laughs> but it is. That man has the largest penis I have ever seen. <laughs> I actually don't even know if he has uh, one. Forgot to look. I was distracted by the largest penis <laughs> I have ever seen. <laughs> and uh, of course I have two sons and uh, who, who learned very quickly how to Google and how to YouTube. And I, I think when my son, who's now 15 uh, discovered that clip when he was all of six years old <laughs> and just, and, and had great mimicry skills and uh, was delighted to share that with, uh, my then wife and I came in and, and had it word perfect. You know, the things that we passed down to our kids. Well, thankfully, you yeah. didn't take it to show and tell. No. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. They both um, they both love that that they can tell their friends that that's that's their dad. <laughs> so proud. <laughs> so proud. Yeah. Yeah. choices, Alan. Nice job. And I really am looking forward to hearing the whole thing again. Me too. He was a gracious guest and made our job easy, frankly. Absolutely, he did. We will be back next time with episode <laughs> 13. Sorry. Yes. Wow. Episode 13. Episode 13, emergency response. Emergency response. I peeked ahead at this one and reminded myself. I'm looking forward to this one. This is, you said this is going to have the producer's cut. This has got the producer's cut. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I think... Uh, I won't spoil it for anybody. Oh, good. Watch it at home. Join us next time. We'll talk about it. Yeah, or else. Or else. <laughs> Thanks for listening this week, everybody. We look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.
Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.